Hi everyone, Philip Sutka here. I have a small favor to ask. I recently updated the Dark River website and with it launched a new mailing list for the podcast. An email list is any author or podcaster's superpower. It's the most direct way that creators such as myself can connect with their audience. I have an exciting announcement coming soon and would like to share it with you first. And I'm going to need your help in launching this new development. So if you would be so kind... Go to darkriver.ca and access the hidden episode at the top of the homepage to sign up for the mailing list. Not only will you be the first to know about updates, but you'll also have access to a behind-the-scenes look at how I created each of the stories. If you try it for a bit and decide that it's not for you, you can easily unsubscribe at the bottom of any of the emails. Believe me, I will not take offense. I will just be so thankful that you were willing to give it a shot in the first place. So head over to darkriver.ca, access the hidden episode, and join the ghosts in uncovering the town's secrets before anyone else. And now, on with today's story. Thank you for joining me in this strange small town in northern Ontario. My name is Philip Psutka. If this is your first time visiting, I'll be your guide. If you're a familiar face, it's good to have you back. The town embraces newcomers and old friends alike. But be warned, it doesn't easily let you go. So dim the lamps, settle in. Welcome to Dark River. The station was deserted, which was typical for this time of night, even on such a busy travel day as New Year's Eve, and Robert Miller exhaled a long sigh of contentment. This had wrapped up his 31st year working at the Dark River train station, and still this place never got old. Even with the hustle and bustle of one of the busiest travel days of the year, he still wouldn't trade this job for anything in the world. He had originally been hired to help load passengers' luggage when he and his wife Betty came to the area. The station was not even ten years established at that point, for the railway lines had just been put in in the 1880s, when the first transcontinental Canadian railway had been built. Since then, two other major railway lines had branched off, filling in the gaps to newly established towns in northern Ontario, but the Dark River station had been one of the first. It was like the somber elder brother to all other stations in the area, a brother that kept secrets from its younger siblings. And Robert couldn't have asked to work in a more beautiful setting. Wooden archways stretched across the long, open waiting area, and large electric light fixtures hung evenly spaced out along the length of the room. Pictures of Dark River in different stages of development hung from each of the archways along the wall. There were windows on both sides of the waiting room, so that one could easily see a departing train on one side, and turn to see an approaching loved one coming to pick them up on the other Benches lined the walls and sat back-to-back along the center of the large room. Often, most of these seats were full during the day, 
And earlier, the entire room had been packed with people eagerly waiting to board the train back home, most likely to Toronto. Ever since the most recent Grand Trunk railway line had been established nine years ago, people could travel from Toronto all the way to Dark River in a single day, which they happily did as many of them had family that had heeded the call of the provincial government and taken free land up here in exchange for developing it for agricultural purposes. Ever since Christmas Day, the station had been packed with travelers going both ways, eager to see extended family while they had the short reprieve from work. So here he was, alone in the station for the first time in what seemed like an eternity. For while this was a time of rest and relaxation for most, anyone involved in the travel business had their hands full over the Christmas holidays. While all others looked forward to Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve was Robert's salvation. He smiled as he opened a drawer to his left and pulled out a bottle of Canadian whiskey. He poured a dram and took a long, luxurious sip. (sighs) This was a moment he looked forward to all year. The warmth trickled down his throat and blossomed in his stomach, and he sighed as he leaned back in his chair. Betty would be anticipating his return, for it was a custom for both of them to spend New Year's Eve at home together, at least as soon as he could make it back after his shift. Normally, he was able to get home before midnight, but this year had been exceptionally busy at the station. As the railway lines increased, so too did the service. Robert looked at the clock across the long length of the room. The hands were nearly parallel, pointing directly up. Midnight was but a few minutes away. He took another sip and closed his eyes. His mind flittered back to when he was a child, when visions of sugar plums really did dance through his head, and he allowed himself this small indulgence. No one else was here, after all. So what did it matter if he was sitting alone in an empty station with a slightly goofy grin plastered across his face? The warmth growing in his stomach was putting him to sleep, and he fought his eyes open. He had to get himself home, after all. And although he was a sleepwalker, he didn't trust himself to be that accurate. Besides, home was not that far away, so he just had to get himself on his feet. He stood up and looked down at his desk behind the window separating him from the rest of the station. The desk was covered with papers, but they could be dealt with in the new year. He had a day off tomorrow, and wasn't about to waste the start of it with cleaning up. He flicked the switches, killing the lights to the station. Out they went in a flash, section by section. Only the portion at the far end near the clock remained on. The switches for that one were farther down the wall. As he approached them, He glanced at the clock once again and saw that the second hand was moments away from midnight. He stopped where he was and watched the transition into the new year. Tick, tick, tick. There. A new decade had arrived. 1920. And who knew what it would bring? Before he would find out, however... He had a few special hours to spend with his wife before getting some much-needed sleep after these last few weeks. 
He downed the last swig of whiskey from his glass and reached for the bottle to tuck it back in the drawer when he noticed something peculiar. The liquid inside it was rippling, as if a pulse had been sent through it. Then it was still. He watched it tentatively for a moment longer, but there was nothing. He must have imagined it. He retired the bottle and glass back into the drawer. His stomach gurgled and he realized that it had been over six hours since he last ate, and he felt slightly lightheaded and warm from the buzz of the alcohol. It was definitely time to get home. His eyes caught the movement before he heard the thud off to his right. One of the pictures had fallen off the wall by the clock. Robert frowned and crossed the station to it. It was lying face down. He picked it up and saw no broken glass on the floor. A good sign, the frame was still intact. He turned the picture over. It was a classic photo of a black locomotive cutting through countryside with mountains in the background. A tribute to the domination of man over the wilderness. Many such trains passed through the station each day, carrying either passengers or goods to and from Dark River. Most goods were processed down south in Toronto, even though the raw materials came from the north. So too were many people. He returned the picture to its place on the wall, and had just turned back to collect his things before leaving when he heard the rattle of the frame bumping against the beam and turned back just in time to see the picture shake off its perch once again, this time landing on the floor with a crackle as the glass shattered. Carefully, Robert picked it up, avoiding the shards of glass on the floor. He flipped the picture over to hang it back up before fetching a broom from the back room and promptly dropped it again. This time, the frame cracked. He inhaled sharply, forcing himself to hold his breath in for a few seconds before letting it out slowly. His heart was racing, and his head was beginning to spin. If someone had been looking into the station at that moment, they might have thought that he had cut his finger on the broken glass and had dropped the picture as a result. But it was the image inside the frame that had caused Robert to start. When he had flipped it over, he still saw a train, but it wasn't the black locomotive from a few moments before. It was something Robert had never seen before. Sleek, silver, and shiny, it looked like a bullet on wheels. There was barely any space between the cars, and the shape was uniform, like the inside of a tunnel. Giant panes of glass lined the sides, rimmed with burgundy curtains inside, and the seats visible through the windows had strange, elaborate patterns on them. It looked lifeless, as if no material that had gone into the making of it was anything remotely close to the way it was when it had been excavated or harvested from the land. It looked... alien. Yet there was no doubt about it. It was a train, and it had pulled up to a station, one that looked remarkably familiar. Then Robert felt the rumble, the one that the whiskey glass and picture had sensed before he had. 
The clack and thunder of the approaching train quickly became audible, and Robert glanced at the clock on the wall. 12.10 a.m. What was going on? No train was ever scheduled this late, much less first thing in the morning on New Year's Day. Perhaps it was just a cargo locomotive passing through with some last-minute supplies, but it was coming from the south, and every instinct told Robert that this train would not be passing Dark River Station. He could see the vibrations rattling the walls now, and one by one the other pictures fell. He didn't need to turn any of them over to know that every single one would now have the same image plastered across it. All his instincts told him to grab his things and run. Run home immediately, and in the morning this would all seem like a bad dream. But curiosity overpowered all else, and before he knew it, Robert found himself walking out the door and looking down the tracks towards the source of the sound. The instant he looked into the blackness, the sound magnified until it was almost unbearable, and he was forced to put his hands over his ears and turn away. Everything rose in a massive crescendo of steel and thunder, and then... Silence. Slowly, Robert opened his eyes and turned back to see the wall of silver in front of him. Although, of course, it wasn't actual silver that he was looking at. It was like steel, but had a strange shimmer to it, as if the surface was solid and liquid at the same time. Those same large windows framed with the burgundy curtains stared back at him. And so, too, did the black shapes from inside. Passengers, lots of them, all sitting in complete stillness, silhouetted as dark shadows against the bright interior. A door to Robert's right parted open, and he remained frozen staring at it, waiting for the figures to emerge. But not a single one of them moved. The door remained open. Slowly, Robert crossed to it and peered in. The interior was unnaturally bright, and the walls were made from a strange material, neither wood nor fabric. It was hard and smooth to the touch as Robert cautiously stepped aboard, letting his fingers run along the interior wall. Hello? he called. Although he heard no audible response, he could sense the passengers on the other side of the storage compartment facing him, eagerly anticipating his approach. Suitcases and luggage completely filled each section on both sides of him. He took a deep breath and walked on. He saw the light from the passenger car spilling onto the floor and followed it with his gaze up as he entered. There were no words to describe what he saw. The walls were lined with additional storage compartments packed into every space imaginable, save for the seats, which had the most erratic pattern splashed across their upholstery. But the pattern on the seats was the only loud part of the whole car, for despite being completely full of passengers, it was dead silent. That, however, was not what caused Robert's breath to catch in his chest, and his body to go suddenly rigid with fear. It was the passengers themselves. 
Each one was turned to face him, as if he were the last highly anticipated guest to arrive at a dinner party, and each face that stared at him was... blank. There was not a single feature on any of them. No mouths, eyes, noses. Nothing. Just skin stretched taut across a hollow rim of bone where the skull ended and the face should have begun. It was like stepping into a wax museum, for not a single one of them moved a muscle. Robert was suddenly sure that he had fallen asleep at his desk and would awake from this nightmare, hopefully in time to get back home before Betty went to bed. His right hand worked its way slowly across to his left arm and pinched. Hard. Nothing changed. And then, the figure closest to him on his left tilted its featureless face slowly towards his arm. Robert's chest constricted the screams trying to escape, and all that came out were dry gasps as he staggered back towards the storage compartment. The faces all shifted in slight unison to follow his passage out. And that was when the figure to his left stood up and stretched an arm out towards him. Robert bolted for the door, pulling luggage out behind him to block his path. He could hear the creatures stumbling over them as they tried to catch up, and he slipped on the turn towards the door, hitting his head off the interior. The door was closed. Try as he might, he could not get it to open. He turned and looked back, already knowing that this was a mistake. The faceless creatures were stumbling over the luggage, reaching for him, nearly upon him. He sensed that if they had mouths, they would be moaning. But as they had none, it was the complete silence save for their movements that really terrified him. As if he were trying to escape some school of underwater sea beasts. Time had certainly slowed down, and he felt as if he was moving through liquid. Suddenly, he saw it. A red button to the right of the door. The creatures were nearly upon him. Frantically, in a last-ditch effort, he slammed his hand into it and... The door pulled open. Just as he stepped down onto the first step, cold hands clamped down onto his shoulder. Now he really did scream, and jerking away without looking back, he fell out of the train car onto the station platform, scrambling to get back onto his feet. He could sense the figures behind him closing in as his hands scraped along the pavement, desperately trying to find purchase. He felt fingers trail along the back of his calf, and he turned around to meet his fate and came face to face with... Thank you for listening thus far. In a moment, we'll join Robert back on the station platform. But first, I'd like to let you know that we have new, original, spooky stories coming every three weeks. So follow the show on your favorite platform so that you never miss an episode. And if you enjoy your time in this haunting town, please consider supporting the show as it progresses into 2022. You can do so by visiting our website, darkriver.ca, where I also upload all the episodes to listen to at any time. But now... Let's return to Dark River Station. He felt fingers trail along the back of his calf, and he turned around to meet his fate, and came face to face with... nothing. The station was empty. 
there were no faceless beings, no luggage, no train. All that greeted him was a thick cloud of mist that hung over the tracks. Off in the distance, a barred owl called out its familiar, Who cooks for you? Who cooks for you all? And Robert felt a chill run down his spine. Where did they all go? And what were they? Gradually, he found his feet and made his way to the station door, still looking back over his shoulder. The station was as empty as it had been all night. No train had been scheduled, and no train had come. He must have had more of an empty stomach than he had anticipated, and the whiskey must have gone straight to his head. He recalled passing out once as a young boy. He had been chasing his brother through the forest and plowed straight into a tree just after his brother narrowly avoided it. When he came to, he had felt nauseous and completely out of sorts, much the way he felt now. Was it possible that he had fainted on the platform? Whatever had happened, it was time to go home. Betty would be waiting for him. His bed would be, too. Tentatively, he walked through the door back into the station and headed for the front desk. He gathered up his things, took a deep breath, turned off the lights, locked up, and headed out the front door of the station. Had he looked back one last time, he would have seen the image of the strange train painted across every picture in the station, and inside of it rows and rows of people, some looking out the window, some focused on odd contraptions that opened like a large book and lit up at their command, some with things tucked into both of their ears, some reading a good old-fashioned book, all of them waiting to get from one place to another on this New Year's Eve. Snow had started falling softly down, coating the world in white. Robert made his way home, leaving footprints behind him to be swallowed up. This had, indeed, been the strangest New Year's Eve he had ever encountered. The turn of the year has magic to it. In one sense, we wrap up what came before. In another, we unveil what is to come and what we choose to make of it. However, neither the past nor the future is entirely within our control, and when we look upon them, they can turn out to be stranger than we ever imagined. This has been a tale from Dark River, written and hosted by me, Philip Sutka. I also produced the show, as well as composed the music for it. The podcast artwork was done by Chris Sutka. For more history of small-town life in northern Ontario in the early 20th century, be sure to follow our Instagram, at Dark River Podcast. Though based on actual history, this story is a work of fiction. Any resemblance to persons living, dead, or other is entirely coincidental and unintentional. Thank you for stopping by, and see you next year.